had need to remind myself sometimes when people see it for the first time and and the wow factor of flying through actual 3D clouds and atmosphere and you know you you need to pinch yourself a few times and the way it's able to do all that technology's caught up uh, bandwidth has caught up uh, where it's allowing you to stream that stuff from very very big data centers and so you're able to have all of this content streamed into your experience the online world we dream would happen is starting to happen so that's it's really cool the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Uh, today, real privilege to be with Josh Purcell, who's founder at NZA Simulations. How are you, Josh? Oh, I'm good, thanks, Paul. Really good to catch up after all these years. Yeah, yeah, it's been ages, hasn't it? It's, yeah. uh, it really <laughs> go, is. We go back a long, a long way. Yeah, it was really good to uh, to, to bump into you at the event Microsoft were, were putting on recently at uh, Up Sky City for the Microsoft uh, Flight Simulator New Zealand World update. So we'll, we'll we'll come back to that and delve into that. But yeah, a few other things that we want to want to chat about. But yeah, really curious to hear about NZA Simulations and uh, you know what you've been doing there and um, you know uh, being shoulder tapped by by Microsoft to be part of this this new update and and a little bit more about that picture. There's a few other things going on uh, that we'll delve into as well, sort of news-wise. Um, but, you know, first up, a big thank you to our show partners, Spark, Two Degrees, Vodafone, HP and Gorilla Technologies. So, you know, awesome to have the support of, um, you know, great companies that are uh, you know, such an integral part of New Zealand's technology and also, you know, broader startup and telecommunications world. So, uh, yeah, great to have that support. Well, let's jump straight in. One thing that sort of caught my attention uh, in the media is this uh, company Zero Latency uh, launching in New, in New Zealand. And they are a, um, a virtual reality sort of gaming arena. I guess, you know, when I first read about them and... Uh, you know, saw saw a little bit of the um, uh, a little bit of the the media. It sort of reminded me, I guess, of the sort of laser strike type, you know, places we've had around for you know a long time for uh, you know youngsters where they you know they're playing these games and and got to you know have to score score points by uh, shooting each other with uh, um, you know the. I don't know if the, do they actually use lasers or is it infrared or I can't remember. Maybe I, it is lasers. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's a, a yeah infrared um, infrared sensors. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, good good fun for the youngsters. But what zero latency have done is you know basically you know I think there's an incredible amount of work that's that's gone into what they're doing. Um, so you know if you if you use their um, you know, you go and play in their arena, uh, their virtual reality uh, arena. I think it's 200 um, square meters, so it's a good size space to play in. But you know, instead of with you know your laser strike, you just you know it's just however you design the space. It's all VR, so virtual reality headset uh, on uh, the the company Zero Latency out of Australia have. Um, I think they partnered with with HTC. Uh, for the the Vive, um, you know, headsets, uh, so they can, you know they're able to be used, you know, completely untethered, and then you know they've built their own games and their own uh, VR worlds, 
So yeah, pretty um, you know pretty pretty exciting. I think um, eight players uh, that can that can be in the space at uh, at once. And yeah, I'm I'm picking probably a pretty good experience. The fact that they're able to um, expand out, I think they're open sort of Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays for you know a chunk a chunk of hours. So yeah, I'll be I'll be keen to have a look at at some stage. But uh, if if anyone's had a go with uh, uh, with try, trying them out, it'd be uh, yeah, it'd be fascinating to uh, to hear about the experience. But Sounds uh, sounds pretty good, right? This is the sort of sort of stuff we imagined for virtual oh, it's, uh, reality. So it's, it's cool to yeah. see it, you know, actually happening, right? Uh, absolutely, it's a, an amazing um, uh, technology. I think uh, I, I've used it a couple of times, and it's incredible. Uh, it, obviously, depending on the platform, but it's incredible the depth that you get. Um, you know, I think you're having to get used to the VR sickness thing, but um, you know. There's there's ways around that, uh, but the technology is just you know incredible what you can do and the application of it as well, especially mm. in a in a fun in a fun way. Yeah, well, you can imagine to do something like this where they're developing you know their own content uh, for you know for their in person uh, you know gaming situations, their in person um, visits. To make it really work, you want to be scaling it. You want to have as many of these things around the place as uh, as possible. Uh, and yeah, it was pretty fascinating to see, you know, just how many countries they're they're operating in. Looks like around, you know, twenty countries. You know, Australia sort of, you know, I guess I, I believe is their uh, um, is their home home base, and they've got uh, I think they've got ten locations up and running. Uh, in Australia, of which three of those are in um, in Melbourne, uh, and then number in the sort of you know Sydney area, uh, and and Queensland. But yeah, 20, 20 countries uh, in the US. They've got uh, they've got yeah a, a growing base there. More certainly more than uh, more than Australia. Um, but yeah, it's obviously a pretty big in, investment thing to uh, to, mm. to make it happen. I'm, and I, I don't know the details of their. Uh, um, their exact model, but I believe that you can, um, you know, basically you can you can buy in and um, you know get a get a franchise. So uh, oh wow. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether those that have say launched the the Auckland franchise will will end up doing other ones around the country, or whether maybe there are uh, opportunities, you know, right now to you know pick up, pick up a, a franchise for. I don't, know, you know, Wellington, Christchurch, Queenstown. Who knows? So, um, yeah, be fascinating to uh, to see how that grows. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, anything that's accessible, uh, yeah, bringing that sort of technology to the public, um, because it is, you know, can be a little bit expensive to get into in, a, in the private arena. But if you're, you know, you're able to go and try some of this stuff out and see how amazing it is, um, you know, that's it's all good. Mm, mm. Um, now we have a mobile world congress uh, going on uh, as usual for this this time of uh, year in, uh, in in Spain. Um, one of the things that that caught my uh, attention is we're seeing these um, Bluetooth uh, fobs available to link with your with an iPhone or an Android. 
uh, device to turn them into sort of you know satellite, give them satellite connectivity. Oh wow! Um, so so the um, the the fob you know opens up that capability for um, you know emergency uh, messaging and and so on. Um, using an existing smartphone, which I thought, yeah, that's quite a good approach. So, um, yeah, it's, they're from a company, um, Bullet, and um, Bullet has also launched uh, the devices under the, the CAT uh, brand, uh, which we're familiar with for diggers and boots and whatever, whatever, oh, okay. uh, yeah. whatever else. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so that's uh, yeah, it's quite interesting to see their uh, Motorola branded. So um, uh, Motorola Defy Satellite Link is is what it's called, and I think look, this is just just part of a wave now as satellite becomes you know a standard everyday you know mechanism for communications, and you know, I guess Starlink has been you know really the uh, the big thing that we've seen in New Zealand in terms of two way communications. You know, of course, we've had um, you know Sky TV over satellite for you know for for a long time, but you know now it's just becoming you know another everyday part uh, of our communications infrastructure that we have access to, and it's that move from being something that's that's very expensive to being you know kind of commoditized and you know affordable for uh, you know really really broad. Um, access. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be um, you know just fascinating to see how this uh, how this stuff um, plays out. In this particular uh, case, they've got service uh, starting at uh, five dollars uh, US a month for their SOS uh, assist sort of you know capability. Of course, in the US, North America, we see you know the latest iPhones that have got a satellite capability. Uh, we've had. Uh, T-Mobile and uh, and and Starlink, uh, you know, semi announce a uh, a partnership that would uh, would would see uh, connectivity for T-Mobile customers in the in the US to uh, to Starlink and and sort of um, you know satellite based cell sites. So, yeah, I think we've got some interesting uh, times ahead, and uh, we're very much moving to a to a world that you just. You know, you're always connected. It doesn't uh, matter where you are. One, you are one way or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least you've got that option. And there's obviously some, you know, some really good aspects to that from a from a safety perspective. You know, particularly, um, yeah. There, are, I mean, there's some there's some yeah reasonable chunks of, you know, of probably most countries that are are going to be you know reasonably outside of of cellular coverage. It's pretty expensive to provide traditional cellular coverage uh, in, in an area that's got very few people. And we were talking about uh, at, at recently in terms of you know coverage and I was driving around the Catlins uh, in the last uh, few months towards the bottom of the South Island and uh, yeah, you can you can be outside of cell phone coverage for, for you know chunks of time and it might be a very small percentage of where the population is, but uh, there's, there's some significant benefit in having an option to connect, right? Oh, it is. Uh, my, my father does a, a lot of mountain biking uh, in some pretty extreme country. Uh, and recently, uh, about a month ago, is down down south doing 80Ks over mountains. Um, and he, he, uh, previous trips, he's been helicoptered out before. Uh, luckily, they all carry EPIRBs with them, but um, it's only a, 
you know, push the button and hopefully they'll find us. Uh, whereas actually having communications with people, um, even via just, you know, messenger or any of that sort of stuff, is, you know, it's really vital. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool. Well, the EPIRB is sort of as the forerunner to, to this, right? For those that don't know, what what can you sure. uh, share about how the how the EPIRB um, works? Because as you say, it's just pretty much push a button, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've uh, only been finding out over it uh, over the last few years with um, what, what happened with my my dad. Um, but essentially, it's a uh, it's a little uh, handheld device uh, that you register. So it has a serial number that it, um, it basically you push the button and it broadcasts to satellite via radio signal um, uh, your serial number. And the fact that that's been activated um, will tell emergency services where you are, who set it off, time, all of that side of things, so they can uh, coordinate an emergency response. So your dad's a bit of a bit of an adventurer, um, putting himself in harm's way. <laughs> He's doing all right. Yeah, he yeah he was. He, he spent a couple of days in hospital. Um, he went over a bank, uh, over a cliff. Sorry, and on, oh, on wow. a mountain bike. Oh, uh, ended up, you know, uh, he thought he was paralysed, uh, couldn't move, uh, and then uh, the three other friends uh, they managed to secure him and get him up onto a uh, a ridge line, and. Um, they are, they're about they're about half a day in, uh, just out of Nelson, and um, they brought the chopper in and, and uh, chopped him out. Um, went to the hospital. Turned out, luckily, hadn't uh, done any damage. Oh, sorry, any permanent damage, permanent. I should say, yeah, yeah. Um, apart from a bit of uh, very very extreme bruising, and you know had to spend a couple of months limping around. Um, but at the time, the yeah, he couldn't move. Uh, his spine went numb and nothing was happening. So it was a bit scary for, you know, an hour yeah, or two there. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I mean, that to me, you know, just a good example on, on where we get the benefits out of, out of this, you know, type of technology. And, of course, you know, EPIRBs are you know, reason, reasonably expensive to, uh, to, to buy. So, you know, making this a sort of mainstream technology that, and giving a bit more, you know, functionality to it. Uh, means we're likely to see much broader adoption. I'm, I'm, I'm picking over the next few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. It's yeah, quite exciting. Um, now, Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, New Zealand World <laughs> Update. That was, you know, the, the Microsoft had had put on a media event there. Um, you know, a whole bunch of people. Um, I think uh, Richie McCaw was uh, was a big, uh, big draw card. So you know, I got to uh, spend a little bit of time with with him. Um, you know, reminding me how to use a flight simulator, um, and uh, yeah, it's been it's probably been you know good good few years since I've I've had a play around with uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. This is one, of, but it's one of those uh, things been you know around for a very very long time, and I didn't quite realise how long it had, it had been around. But um, you know, you've had that interest in in flight simulators going back to to the very early days. You were telling me uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Uh, version one, uh, you'd, you'd mm. use back in your as a as a youngster. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was interesting. Uh, so uh, again, uh, sort of back to my father, but uh, he he was very interested in the late seventies into into computers and, and built his own because that's what you did back then. Um, uh, I, I was five when he introduced me to to computers. Um, I'm forty five now, so it's, so 
40th anniversary last year of Flight Simulator. Uh, so I was very lucky to get version one kind of when it came out and um, uh, yeah, just moved up through through those. Uh, I stopped at about version four. Um, you know, as you're a teenager, you sort of have other interests and uh, and, and stop, um, stop doing things. And then recently, uh, so... Two thousand nineteen, they announced at E three. Probably getting this wrong, the t- dates and times. I believe it's two thousand nineteen. They uh, they announced uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator twenty twenty was coming out, and um, you know, being a little bit nostalgic, I looked at it and I was like, oh, got to get into this. It's uh, you know, the graphics are amazing and uh, and all of that side of things, and and the rest has been uh, been history, really. Yeah, look, I mean, it's um, when you know when you look back over those, those old versions, it's it's sort of a really a, a, a lesson in in history, you know, around computer graphics and um, simulation, uh, you know, three you know the three D graphics. There's you know a whole range of perspectives, and yeah, if you're not you know if you're not familiar and you know, you you're uh, you know depending on your age and so on, uh, yeah, you look back on those early versions and you might think that they're you know absolutely comical, but you know, actually, you know, groundbreaking for for the time, and in terms of where Microsoft Flight Simulator is today, uh, it's it's pretty 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 impressive. Like the, oh, the the graphics and so on. Um, I don't know if you've got any knowledge on this, but um, you know, you you can you know, if you're training to be a pilot, uh, you know, a particular plane and so on, you know, you can go and and, and use a yeah, a flight simulator that, um, and yeah, you know, correct me if you if I'm if I'm wrong here, but you know my sort of recollection is you know, and airlines will have their own you know flight simulators that are you know really really you know very very expensive uh, to have, but it's cheaper than putting people uh, in the actual planes to uh, planes to to learn. Um, so you know we've had that world around for for some time, sort of running in parallel, but you know massive in, investments to uh, to have. Have those, and you can go and you know you can pay and, and go on one of those those uh, you know flight simulators. If you want to you know fly a particular type of plane that's uh, that's covered, but um, you know of course that technology often uh, you know specialized technology used in you know commercial purposes uh, doesn't always move as fast as the the consumer side. So you know when you look at what you can actually get in um, you know on a on a console. On you know Windows, Xbox, uh, it is it is a very very impressive experience by by my viewpoint. Yeah, it's it's taken a, a modern approach. Uh, so so the platform or the engine has taken a very modern approach to uh, what's called the digital twin. So that that is a you know uh, starting to sorry not starting to has replicated the planet um, as far as you can go anywhere. So if you can see it on the planet. Uh, you can you can take a flight inside the simulator to anywhere, um, whether it's mountains or deserts or um, you know over the pyramids or any of that side of things. Uh, and as it, it really is, um, I, I'm quite used to it now because I spend a lot of time in there developing. But yeah, uh, it's very interesting, and, and I had, need to remind myself sometimes when people see it for the first time. And, and the wow factor of flying through actual 3D clouds and atmosphere and, uh, you know, the terrain down below and uh, 
you know, you, you need to pinch yourself a few times. And the way it's able to do all that, because trying to store all of that information inside your device, your computer or your, your Xbox, um, it, it wouldn't be possible. So uh, that technology's caught up, uh, bandwidth is caught up, um, uh, where it's allowing you to stream that stuff from very, very big data centres uh, and, and syndicate it around the world um, uh, in, in real time. And so you're able to have all of this content streamed into your experience of where you are at in, in that point in time within the simulator. And it's, uh, you know, it's the world we, uh, the online world we dream would happen is starting to happen. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah, it was quite fascinating, and you'll remember the names of the um, the the people that spoke. Um, but yeah, getting getting a, and you, you maybe you know share who sort of the, the people are behind um, you know behind the sort of current iteration we've 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 seen and and the New Zealand content. Um, but they gave some interesting sort of breakdowns around how certain you know content is generated. So if you say fly over Auckland. Uh, yes, there's you know some things like a, you know Sky Tower and so on that have you know been kind of custom built out so that uh, you know there's there's you know very specific uh, data that that's been prepared for that. So you see something that's you know the right height and you know other uh, other aspects of it are, are reasonably accurate. Uh, but if you you know look more broadly at, at the landscape, they're actually there isn't necessarily, you know, 3D footage of, you know, your suburb or, or your area. And the way that they can take, you know, what might have been an, an aerial shot and then build that up based on a knowledge of, you know, what a typical, you know, uh, home looks like, a typical height for a home and other bits and pieces. So as you fly over, you know, an area, it, it actually looks, you know, looks pretty, you know, pretty reasonable. Uh, and then, you know, other situations, they've got a bit more data. So there might be specific height data of, you know, of the different buildings. Uh, but again, they might be actually generating, you know, that sort of content on the on the fly. Uh, yeah. Um, so the, the, the different technologies they use. Uh, so the, the one you're talking about is the AI generated buildings. And that they are created from... Uh, Essentially, the council or uh, New Zealand government hold floor plans uh, on, you know, buildings or um, structures. Yep. Uh, there's also uh, satellite photography or aerial photography. So satellite being taken from a satellite, aerial photography being taken from a, a plane that flies at a high altitude. Yeah. Um, with the AI technology, they're able to analyse the images um, and pick up um, uh, the building shapes, uh, colour as well and um, squeeze that all into a you know a very clever uh, supercomputer um, and as you said deduce height from uh, they pick up open street data uh, so they hold the hold the heights of buildings which may have been put in there by council or uh, edited by a community um, and those are then put in to uh, create the 3d models essentially well sorry to guide the 3D model creation uh, and then uh, that 3D model creation is uh, uses that data and then is then streamed into the simulator. So it doesn't exist on your computer, it's actually just 
pulling that data in and then it's constructing it on the fly as you as you are flying. So that's that's the AI technology. The other one is called photogrammetry. And photogrammetry is where uh, they'll fly a plane. So Microsoft uh, pay local operators who have the technology, the cameras on the planes, and they'll fly in a grid pattern over a city or a particular area. Uh, and photogrammetry takes lots and lots of photographs uh, and you can, um, I need to be careful how I say this without confusing people, but you create what's called a point cloud. So it's a 3D representation uh, and the, the, all of those coordinates are pulled from mudging those photos together. Uh, and then that, that is then put into the simulator as well for fo um, photorealistic uh, three-dimensional uh, data. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive what you get and it obviously depends on uh, you know where you are in New Zealand. You know what the data, what the data sources are, and then down to um, yeah, very specifically handled content, which is where um, your firm's involved. And I think we'll we'll come back to that in a minute because there was one more before we kind of cover off all about um, NZA simulations. Um, we we should probably talk. Uh, a little bit of kind of it's been a really big big story uh, this week, which is Silicon Valley Bank. Over the last uh, over the last few days, it has been uh, it has been uh, mayhem, shall we shall we say? And uh, you know, I guess it was it was late la last week that uh, the news news started uh, started breaking that. There was, a, you know, a huge panic around uh, Silicon Valley Bank as they were potentially out trying to trying to raise you know, a couple of billion uh, dollars or so to uh, to shore up their finances, and you know, as as we've seen happen in the past, uh, you know, next minute you've got to run on the bank. Everyone's trying to get their money out now. What's unusual about a you know the United States compared to New Zealand is that there is an absolute proliferation of banks, right? You, you know, every sort of a local area has all these local banks that you won't find anywhere else. And yes, there, you know, there are, you know, the big ones, Bank of America and Citibank, and uh, you know, varying into international uh, banks and so on. But um, yes, Silicon Valley Bank, you know, local primarily to to Silicon Valley. Yes, there's some. You know some international operations and 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 so on, um, but yeah, created a, a a situation because they were, uh, you know, such a key player as far as Silicon Valley, which is which is the tech world, it's tech startups, uh, and and you know not 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 just traditional tech, but you know we've heard of there being you know a significant amount of New Zealand. You know, startups and tech companies mm. and and businesses with a U.S. presence that had uh, had a whole lot of money uh, with Silicon Valley Bank, and yeah, what what we saw was I guess it was Saturday New Zealand time where you know the 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 plug was sort of um, pulled on on Silicon Valley uh, Bank. The government uh, stepped in and initially indicated, look, you know, your first two hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars where the funds are okay. Uh, but of course, people had millions and millions of dollars uh, in you know in these uh, these uh, accounts. So 
really ha- has you know created I think some you know significant uh, stress and you know for those that are interested there's there's quite a lot of analysis on online that's uh, you know will give you some insights in terms of you know uh, the triggers the role of of US government bonds that uh, you know banks seem to be encouraged to uh, to acquire and with those sort of devaluing the uh, the sort of pressures that uh, that that was uh, that was creating, um, but I saw our business desk gave some you know interesting coverage, uh, talking about uh, Ike GPS, uh, Convita, uh, you know both both of those um, you know having having millions of of uh, of dollars in there, um, and uh, Ike GPS uh, was another one. Uh, Crimson Education uh, had had. You know, quite a chunk of uh, funds in there. By the sounds of it, they managed to to get it out during that run on the bank, uh, and understand. Um, you know, Rocket Rocket Lab, uh, another one, and yeah, those are the ones that have sort of been you know covered and you know publicly mentioned. There will be a whole whole bunch of others. Um, you know, just because of of the nature of of who they are and how how heavily they were they were used there. So it's. Um, it's challenging times out there, isn't it? It's like you know, it's it's hard enough being, uh, you know, on 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 the cutting edge as as, as a business uh, as it is in the current sort of you know economic climate and uh, um, you know era of COVID and so on. And uh, yeah, for companies to uh, to potentially get uh, impacted like this, and of course, you know, we've heard of other banks now in the US uh, since, and you know, we really the whole story isn't. Isn't written, and I guess the everyone is, is hoping that uh, that this thing sort of finishes very quickly, and 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 it's uh, uh, you know able to be addressed, and uh, and that things move on. Um, but it's always it's very hard to tell the full picture, isn't it? At yeah, this stage? We, we definitely don't want the two thousand eight thing to happen again. Um, you know, worldwide, I don't think uh, everyone's really uh, really wants. You know, is ready for that. <laughs> so enough going on at the moment for for everyone. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a it's a big deal. I guess there will you know there will be some uh, you know some lessons that come come out of this, and uh, you know, hopefully, as we saw with the, the global um, financial crisis, that there will be. You know improvements and, and extra checks and balances that uh, that that come into play uh, that reduce these sorts of risks uh, going forward. Um, but yeah, I can I can imagine uh, there will be some of our uh, listeners that have probably had a reasonably uncomfortable weekend. So you know it's pleasing to know that uh, you know the um, the government has has stepped in and um, you know at this stage things are. Things are, are are looking uh, like everybody's uh, money is safe. That has uh, you know has deposits with 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 SVB. Um, you know, however, there there obviously still going to be some some parties that are uh, not uh, not so pleased afterwards, particularly those that uh, that, that would have had um, shares in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so going going back to um, Microsoft Flight Simulator and um, and the role of, of NZA. Tell us a little bit about you know what what you've been doing with with NZA, 
because um, I think it's quite fascinating. You've got a you know you've got a team that's been working on producing content for how long have you been doing this? Uh, not that long actually. Um, we we started um, we started when Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 was released. Uh, sorry, started's probably the wrong word. Uh, we started mucking around. <laughs> um, you know, the the whole NZA thing came came a bit later, probably about six months later, uh, when we sort of realised that, um, you know, there's there's something here, and there's probably uh, there's a there's a market, and we're able to do things for that market, and um, uh, and and also. Uh, give a good shot at the quality thing. So, so our, our big thing is, um, you know, we're not the fastest out there, but we don't aim to be. We're, you know, we do things in a in a quality way, um, and the way that we we push our products out and uh, for our customers, um, and just been working our way up, um, uh, starting to get noticed by a few people, and uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure whether you want to lead on to the next topic, but uh, well, well, just tell us a little bit about what what are your products? You know, what it is sure. that you make, and and how do you you know how do you how do you sell that? Sure. Uh, so we're a um, we're, we're a development team of about ten people, uh, six 3D artists, um, and you know, in various specialties, uh, and then we produce uh, what's called payware content. So uh, when you buy Microsoft Flight Simulator. Uh, you pay for the the base game, and then you uh, you can fly around with a, a set of about thirty aircrafts. Don't quote me on the exact number. Uh, and what we do is we provide uh, uh, much better quality content, uh, real true to life representations of airports and other scenery. Um, and then uh, there's a large community of people who uh, like to repeatedly land at an airport or operate out of an airport um, and have have their online role um, as a as an online as a virtual pilot uh, and then they'll, they'll operate out of those those airports so what what we do is we produce uh, that content and then uh, people buy that content yeah great so rather than the you know um, yeah a basic sort of you know version of Whatever uh, a local airport or a favourite airport they want to operate, um, your team have basically you know built and and created uh, all the all the building blocks that renders out as a as a very much sort of true to life visualization of of that airport. Are there other things you do beyond airports? Uh, yeah, so the the scenery side of things and the points of interest. So it it harks back to how people. Uh, how they want to fly in the simulator. So you may have uh, people who you know want to do airline stuff. So that's uh, repeated ops in and out of international airports or uh, domestic jet airports. Uh, so Auckland or Christchurch or or worldwide, whatever you want to do there. And com- commercial pilots are are using these tools. Uh, you can't. Uh, yes, uh, the the answer is yes. Uh, you can't use it in a commercial way. Uh, so it's right. a it's a yeah it's a simulator, but it's a it's a game essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, the representation of what is in there is true to life. Um, uh, I have a couple of pilots on my team, um, flight 
flight instructors and um, some of our test team are Air New Zealand pilots. Um, and Yeah, so they, they uh, you know, they'll let us know um, when we when they land at something that we're producing that no, that's not right, that drain's over there and <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's the wrong colour for that sign and, and all wow. of that stuff. So yeah. it's, um, yeah. yeah, it's... It's funny the content that you do provide for it. Uh, you become an absolute expert in, you know, fence positions and the weeds at the bottom of a fence, all the way up to control tower construction and, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, painted lines. There's a a guy on our team. He is fastidious about painted lines, the colour of them. They need to be exact. The curve, the thickness, all that stuff. Yeah, um, down to that level of detail. So when you when you're actually Using that content, it it doesn't it's sort of feel feel yeah. rough around the edges. It's it's it feels really awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's that's the thing. Um, and you got everything from the the shine of the concrete and the uh, it's you know we can go on about it for ages, but <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it gets to that. I detail. can see you, that that you and the team don't 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 take it too lightly. It's uh, it's really really important part of and, and that's your approach. Yeah, that's that's been our approach and yeah. um, uh, the it, it's built our customer base and the loyal customer base because mm. of it. Now you do this as a as something of a side hustle. Is that sort of generally the case across your team that they're you know they're juggling. Uh, they're juggling, you know, day jobs as as well as, um, you know, building this incredible content. Yeah, it's um, th- that's correct. Um, you know, uh, most of us are working full time, uh, and and you know, got families and and all that stuff. Uh, there is uh, th- there's one guy in Portugal who uh, it's his full time gig. Yeah. Um, uh, Portugal's a, a cheaper place to live, so he's able to. You know, uh, what what a side hustle for us is not necessarily for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Uh, the uh, incidentally, um, over the pandemic period, uh, he was finishing his training. Uh, so he's trained in Sweden uh, at a school that uh, teaches three D, um, and with lockdown that came, uh, he couldn't get a an internship. And over in Europe, that's a big thing. Um, so he reached out to the school and said, hey, look, can I use this involvement that, you know, with NZA, that uh, are we able to uh, have that as the final part of my accreditation for uh, um, his uh, degree? Yeah. And um, they said yes, um, you know, extraordinary circumstances and because uh, we'd only been around six months at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, we went through, signed off, you know, Timesheets, so to speak, uh, and and the work that he was doing, and um, yeah, it, uh, he's he's since become one of our founders. So uh, it's it's amazing, you know, from nothing to uh, be able to provide opportunities for other people and to be able to get involved at a world level at this stuff. Yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's re- really exciting, and you know, yours isn't the isn't the first sort of. You know, the entity that that I'm that I'm aware of, you know, out of New Zealand or with New Zealanders, um, you know, one or more, you know, involved in um, you know really international uh, teams that are, that are um, you know building stuff that is you know very much used on on the world stage. Um, I'd be curious to understand a little bit around, you know, what are the 
what are the challenges? I mean, how do you even find other people to, you know, connect <laughs> up with to to launch, uh, you know, NZA, and um, you know, what are the what are those uh, uniques about working with a, a team that's that's spread around, uh, largely needing to you know fit this around, you know, full time jobs. So you know, that's. I don't know what sort of hours that uh, oh, that that, that you're doing, yeah. um, but you know you've got to you've got to uh, you know fit that in alongside um, you know your family and um, you know thing things that have a have a, a very long term you know importance, um, and you know it's uh, it's probably probably not always uh, always easy when everyone's probably under under pressure. Um, and you know, as as you you told me, um, you know, Microsoft came to you with sort of a short deadline to respond uh, whether you would be involved in this uh, this world uh, New Zealand world update, uh, and then you know, with a reasonably sort of short fuse um, or you know time span to uh, to to get the work done. Yes, <laughs> so how does all that look? Oh, it's a, it's a it's a juggle. Um, but it's it's like anything in life that you you want to be a good thing you've got to commit to it and you've got to really put the energy into it. Um, we've spent a lot of time getting our systems in place and working what works, what doesn't. Uh, we're pretty agile, as in we'll throw out some. You know, if it's not working, uh, we'll, we just won't do that. Um, but then uh, we also adopt. Uh, we're, we're always trying new things, and how that works on a world level is. Um, it, the, the company doesn't sleep because everyone's on different time zones. Uh, so we've got half half the team in New Zealand and, and the, the rest of the half is dotted around the world. Um, the uh, So people will be working, uh, so Sergio in Italy or Milan uh, will turn around and, um, you know, he'll, he'll jump on. His commitment is he'll wake up in the morning and um, have a shower at six in the morning and then do, do two hours before he drives off to work. Uh, but that's our that's our eight o'clock time. So he'll you know we get to catch up at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then we we'll run through that. We'll what we'll, we have a bit of a there's a there's a particular time when we're all online, and we use that time to discuss what we're going to do. Uh, very lucky to have a whole bunch of self starters on the team, so we can just say hey, just need to get this done or that done, and people will just you know they get they get on with it. Um, there's a we're also uh, not spe- um, <laughs> we're specialists, but we're also uh, generalists. So we're specialists in certain areas, yep. uh, and we will go and each of us will go and do those, uh, you know, really well. Uh, but then we'll bring it back, and then we we project share. So we'll we'll swap uh, assets around, and 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 I'll work on something, or someone else will work on something of mine, or. Not mine, but uh, part of the project. Yeah, I'll hand that an off. An area that you've initially taken ownership for, and then exactly. others get involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's uh, it works really well. Um, uh, the challenges around technology on on the content because uh, we're talking, you know, and I'm not joking here, hundreds of gigabytes a night. Um, you know, flying all over the world. Wow. Um, so it help, helps to have uh, New, New Zealand's uh, ultra-fast broadband uh, oh, it's fi- fibre connectivity. <laughs> That's, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I run on a one gig connection and, you know, I use all of it yeah, um, every yeah, night. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's the same guys in Australia are, you know, <laughs> not so lucky and we, we need to 
pay provisions for for that, so to speak. But um, you know, we, sometimes you you save a file and you you're a bit sympathetic about the fact that they have to also download that real time content. Um, so you know, you might do that later at night, and they'll leave their machine on and, and things like that. But it's all automated, so it works works pretty well. Yeah. So um, anything you can sort of you know share around the the technologies sort of that you use to uh, to keep to keep all of that all of that working? It sounds like you you know yeah. you put quite an effort into uh, making these things all all work you know really well together, so you can you can get on and um, you know build the content. Yeah, sure. Um, so essentially, uh, we use a technology called Nextcloud. Uh, it's a it's a Think of it as Google Drive or even uh, Microsoft uh, OneDrive, uh, except for you're hosting the, the server side of things. Yes. Um, and uh, we, we've gone through a few iterations of failed hardware. You know, you're leaving something on for 24-7, doesn't always like to, and, and I'm not going to run a server at my house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, server hardware at my house. They're, yeah. they're noisy if you've never, if you've ever heard one. Um so yeah, we we run on a um, we use uh, in, uh, NUC PCs. Yeah. Uh, they're little small cubes with high-powered processors in them, and you can spec them up how you want. Uh, so we use those with a very large array um, connected to a fiber connection, and uh, you save uh, so so you save your content local to your drive, and there's a client that sits on your computer, and that client, in an automated way, uh, tells the Nextcloud database, hey, check the file in, and then the other people around the world get automated notification and and start pulling that data down, and they can save at the same time. So there's a lot flying around all over the place. How much data would you have, you know, all up? Uh, At the moment, so the projects are sitting at about a terabyte. Uh, We've got a 24 terabyte array that we we run, Um, and... And as uh, any, uh, I'm an IT, so I um, know the importance of da- data backups. But uh, yeah, we've we've honed those a lot recently. So yeah. uh, every night it gets backed up in triplicate. Whether that's um, so, you've got your real time stuff, and then you've got your nightly stuff, and then there's a weekly that happens as well. Uh, and then I've got another little reserve that um, uh, you know I can turn off. Freeze. Um, so yeah, d- the data side of things is uh, very important because you, you might have someone who mucks something up, and you want to be able to get stuff, that back. Stuff happens. Doesn't stuff it? happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, that, that's fascinating. So you've got the the sort of products that people can you know go online add, add into the Microsoft Flight Simulator environment. Um, you've had your contributions to to the New Zealand update. Um, you know, can you tell us, you know, some of what you've done there? Sure. Um, so we got uh, we got contacted by Microsoft uh, towards the end of last year. It was about November, if I recall correctly. Um, and we were told. Uh, so the head of Microsoft Flight Simulator, Jörg uh, Neumann, uh, Neumann, sorry, uh, he, yeah, he he sort of. I had a Teams message pop up. Hey, have you got a moment? I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those sort of moments in life uh, where you go, right. <laughs> uh, and he he said, hey, I'd like you to be involved, uh, your team, um, uh, to be involved in the world update. Um, what, what do you say? And I said, oh, that that'll be great. What, what are you looking at? 
And he said, well, here's the deadline. Uh, and, and I said, uh, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, so th- we, we were told testing starts January 1. Uh, sorry, January 5 when, when France is back online. Yep. And we were, we were sitting there going, oh. It's not too many weeks. Yeah, so that's four <laughs> weeks to do four airports and uh, deliver them to our NZA quality um, and also have it fully tested uh, and any changes that needed to be made. And we wanted to have a Christmas as well. So it was all hands to the pump. Uh, we were doing, I think we were counting 14-hour days when we were, there were two weeks there where we were doing 14-hour days plus our day jobs. Um, so it was, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of the team put in a, a, a massive amount of effort to, to hit those timelines, but it tested us uh, in a good way. It, um, it proved that our systems that were in place, uh, we were capable of doing things at a at, at high pace. Yep. Um, and we were able to deliver it in a, in a quality, well-tested way uh, uh, and, and deliver on time, you know, uh, I said to the guys the, the day that we found out, I said, I, I don't want to say yes if we can't do this. Mm. Uh, that'll be the worst. Yeah. yeah. And um, we were up for the challenge and we said yes and the rest is history. Wow. Wow. So what are the airports that uh, that you've de- delivered that people can go and have a look for? Sure. Uh, there is um, – in. Oh, sorry, I won't use the acronyms. Uh, so there's Rotorua Airport. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a domestic um, – a domestic jet and regional airport. Yep. Uh, there is what else we got? We've got Westport. Uh, we've got Tekapo, and um, cool. another little cute one uh, called Gorge River, which uh, Gorge River in real life is a location that New Zealand's uh, most remote family lives, and the only way in and out of there is a is their private airstrip. Um, and so uh, Sergio actually took that one on and he was so passionate about doing it. He modelled every rock. I'm not kidding. Uh, when you look at it in the simulator, you've got every little pebble on the beach and, and, and logs that have washed up and all of that stuff. Um, so it was it was Yeah, good. that one looks really cool actually. looks oh, like a great place to be able to fly into. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, you can have that bush, that that, that remote feeling when, yeah. when you actually fly in the sim for two hours in a very light plane. And you're flying down the valleys, and then you come out into this oasis of amazingness. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, no, there's there's uh, there's a, a lot in there. Um, yeah, obviously they can't have have that sort of quality and and detail. Um, you know, for every airport and every part of the country. But I think it's uh, it's it's pretty impressive, and you know, it's great that they've um, you know been able to partner with, with a local firm rather than just having some sort of standardised, you know, cookie-cutter um, approach and some global entity that just kind of churns, churns stuff out um, that they've, they've been able to engage and, and work with you on that. Um, so what's next? What, you know, what doors does this open up and, uh, you know, commercial opportunities ahead? you think there's some, some possibilities to grow from here? Yeah, yeah. It, it, has, um, it has opened up a few few things. We've, we've had a lot of interest. Um, so where we're positioning NZA uh, is not just, um, you know, uh, uh, scenery or payware scenery for, uh, you know, uh, a, the local game market, so to speak, within the simulator. Um, but we sort of realised that, you know, the whole um, digital twin 
uh, thing has sort of opened up a world of, when I mean digital twin, uh, the, the world itself has opened up a world of uh, 3D possibilities with other things. Um, so we are being, we need to be a little bit careful with the licensing uh, on Microsoft Flight Simulator. It, it is a, it's not a commercial license, uh, so it can't be used uh, at the moment for commercial use. Um, that may change in the future, but uh, certainly it's set the team up uh, for the content side of things uh, and, and commercial interest there. And we've had a few large firms knock on the door and, you know, hey, this would be cool to be able to do X, Y and Z. Um, so we're certainly looking at the future there uh, and how in a commercial aspect that, that can be sort of uh, run. Yeah. And then there's other technologies as well around other engines. So. Right. Yeah, I guess if you can make a, a really good digital replica of, you know, all the places that you've, you've, you've done so far, you can probably do that of uh, just about any place or, or any building. Um, which will have all sorts of other applications, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a firm in Germany who's got in contact. Um, we're still working that out at the moment, but they're doing stuff in the Unreal 5 engine. Uh, so they've they've been keen for some of our content as well. Mm. There's it, it's opportunities that open up like that uh, all over the place. And it's, it's as a, because, you know, we are, we are small, mm. um, it's, it's knowing what to say yes to and what to say no to. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's not a sitting on a high horse thing. It's just, you know, that you can actually deliver something and, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in a good way. That's great. Well, really, really good to catch up. Thanks for coming in, Josh. Yeah, you too. Uh, really cool. And, yeah, great to, uh, you know, just to be able to follow the progress of, of what you're doing with NZA simulation. So we'll look forward to... Uh, hearing, you know, where where to from here, and uh, you know, I think it's 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 just you know inspiring in terms of you know what can happen in a reasonably short space of time, and uh, you know, I think as as usual with these sorts of things, a fair bit of uh, Kiwi ingenuity behind the scenes to make it all uh, to make it all possible, and and certainly with meeting those uh, those deadlines, uh, you know, lots of blood, sweat, and tears, and. Uh, um, yeah, some some smart uh, smart approaches to to get it done. So yeah, well done on that. Oh, and, thanks. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. th thanks for having me as well. It's, uh, it's been awesome and catching up again yeah. after so many years. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's great. Oh, well, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us. Thanks for listening uh, into the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week. Uh, thanks again to our show partners, Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark, Two Degrees, and Vodafone for their support. Um, and uh, thank you to uh, Joshua in the studio for uh, uh, helping with uh, with having uh, helping us uh, record today. Uh, much appreciated. All right, thanks everyone. Catch you next time. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.